Do you believe in your business and want it to grow quicker? Make more sales, scale the business? Yeah, me too. I just love helping women in business and I want your business to be the best it can possibly be. You can expect truthful accounts of the highs and lows of business, struggles, traumas, epic highlights and priceless moments. I'll be sharing how this busy mum scaled a business from a local class in a village hall to 60 franchisees internationally. So let's get started. I'm Charlie Day and you're listening to the Entrepreneurs Growth Club podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneurs Growth Club podcast. It's a very special episode today because I am interviewing my first ever male entrepreneur. I have got Jonathan South here. He is a portrait photographer who during lockdown has set up the most amazing course called Cultivating Wonder and he's here today to tell us all about it. So welcome Jonathan. Hello, it's so great to be here, Charlie. I'm excited. I'm excited. Do you feel honoured to be the first ever male to be interviewed? I do. I really do. I'm starting to realise in the entrepreneurial world that we are a very rare minority. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So tell my listeners all about your business and how you got started and how you have now pivoted to this brand new course. Yeah, it's quite an interesting journey because... I was working in publishing for Penguin and then Random House as a book editor um, in fiction and then history. And I was out in New York when 9-11 happened and my friend asked me to photograph the site. And so that's what really got me into photography, actually, Um, just photographing the firemen and hearing their stories and becoming a photojournalist. I then travelled around the world for about two to three years, going to places like India, South Africa, Swaziland, um, Peru, and obviously the United States, taking photographs of HIV orphans and um, quite a lot of other amazing work, really, but quite hard work to photograph, but really beautiful work. Um, And then I ended up working for charity again um, while doing freelance photography. And then a few years ago, I made the big decision, actually, I have to go for this. It's what my passion is, photographing people. And I really loved it. Yeah, and so I've been, I was doing that well. I was doing really well there. I had a lot of family photography. Half my work is family photography. Half my work is branding and entrepreneurial photography. And it was going really, really well. Two big clients, um, John Lewis and M&S. And then suddenly, lockdown happened. <laughs> and like all photographers, all creatives, basically, all my work went. All the family shoots were cancelled. And I was looking down the barrel of, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? Um, and then I was down in Devon with um, a friend of mine who is a single mum and her two girls. And the two girls were so excited about just looking at the landscape, looking at wonder, looking at nature. And they asked me a lot of questions about photography. This was down back in February. And those conversations stayed with me as I drove back up to Oxford, where I live. Um, and then a couple of friends asked me to teach their kids, six and eight year olds, about photography. And that led me to thinking, do you know what? Maybe I could teach, do a course in it. And I thought, so I set up a course in April called Cultivating Wonder, which is really about cultivating, cultivating a child's wonder and love and awe of the world. It's not really about photography. We teach photography, but we look at, look at the, it through the lens of we want the child to become much more aware about the world. There's no other course in the world, as, as far as we can tell, that 
teaches children photography through wonder. A lot of, there's a lot of photography courses and there's lots of courses which are quite new agey, meditation or yoga for kids, but there's nothing that was on wonder. And so we set it up and I thought five or six people might sign up for it. And we had 386 parents. Oh, wow. Couldn't believe it. Yeah, no, I can, I can totally see the appeal though. Cause like with us, with phonics, with robot reg, we try and make our classes fun and high energy and all of the things that sometimes I feel like the education system is lacking a little bit. And if you have a child who doesn't fit that well into the education system or struggles, or, you know, a lot of children over lockdown have struggled or been bored doing something like this would be absolutely amazing. And I can imagine a lot of parents are keen on that idea of getting them outside and getting them behind the camera and things like that. Yeah, it was really helpful. One of the things that was also really helpful was that um, I, I, at the time, I didn't know much about children's mental health or well-being or how unresilient children were, especially boys, interestingly, between the ages of five and nine. Um, so on the call, some of the girls who were five, six were absolutely flying. It was their time. They were five or six gay on 20. They were just, you know, they knew that the world was going to be opening up to them because today is a time when, um, you know, because of equality, because of um, equal rights, women are flying in their career and are flourishing as entrepreneurs. And you could see some of the girls who've got successful mums. But what I didn't realize was that some of the children also struggle with mental health and with a lack of resilience and it came it became clear quite quickly on the course that some of the children were really not doing that well and so the mindfulness aspect of photography that we're teaching one of the exercises we do is we look we get children to look outside their bedroom window every single day for a minute and to see what they can see is there anything they haven't seen before is there a, a car or a house opposite with purple curtains or is there something they've not seen before? We get them to look at that and it increases their well-being because it makes them more present. And then we get, them to, we get them to photograph that scene. We get them to sit on their bum in the kitchen. Is there anything they've not seen before from a cat's eye point of view? We get them to go on a country walk and we get them to look at the world afresh. Get them to look at hedgerows. Get them to smell. What can they smell? What can they see? What can they hear? And then we get them to photograph it. And actually... I didn't realize about the mental health aspect until the course started, but it quickly became clear from feedback from the mums that their children's mental health or their well-being was being improved through the photography side. And so we've now kind of maneuvered the course much more into a photography mindfulness aspect, which is really great. I feel like this would be quite good for adults as well, because I feel like we're always rushing around and there's so much going on and you just rush from one thing to another. And actually you don't stop and enjoy the world around you and be present and live in the moment and all of those things. Do you feel like photography has helped you open that world as well? Yeah, it really does, Charlie. And actually um, I think my, being mindful, being fully present, um, is an extraordinary thing um, and a lot of people do that through meditation a lot of people do that just through um, going for a walk or whatever well, one, of the, one of the most beautiful things about the course was the feedback we got from parents who said to me quite a lot they got to relive their childhood their own childhood through their children's eyes and one mum said to me actually I got to see the world again afresh um, and she was a very high power executive in London she said I got to see re-see the world through my eight-year-old boy's eyes and it made me stop 
And actually we are, as you say, before lockdown, I remember thinking all of us almost took it as a badge of honour that we are so busy. And we said, oh, I'm so busy. I can fit you in my diary in three weeks' time. And um, that was extraordinary. Like lockdown has kind of brilliantly broken, hopefully smashed that sense of bragging about being so busy. And I think also that we don't really stop. We are so busy on social media and on our phones. And I think one of the beautiful things about the course is it gets adults as much as children to look at the world with new eyes. And actually, we're going to launch a course next year in the spring for adults. The same course. We're redoing the same course for adults. Amazing. So this is slightly off topic now, but just because I'm interested, because I'm always thinking about how I can be more present and and more connected and and all of those things. Is there anything that you do like in your day-to-day life, in your morning routine or or whenever that help you to be more present and help with all that mindfulness and and things like that? Yeah, I think um, I had a life coach um, a couple of years ago and she was very, very good. I would recommend her if um, anyone needs a brilliant life coach. She was a phenomenal in Birmingham. But one of the things she got me to do was to write down five things that I love doing just for the sake of me loving them. So it's not something that you you do with your husband or your wife or your children or your friends or whatever. It's something that you love doing for the sake of you love doing. them. And you've got to write down five things that you love doing. So I wrote down one of them was history books. I love reading history books. When was the last time she said to me, my life coach asked me, when was the last time I read a history book? Oh, months and months ago. I'm just too busy. So she got me to spend half an hour a day, which is nothing, half an hour a day. So that's one forty-eighth of a day. Half an hour a day doing something that you love doing just for the sake of you love doing it. It could be watching your favourite movie. It could be watching an episode of Friends. It could be having a glass of wine and listening to music. It could be reading a book. It could be going for a walk. But so few people in this world seem to be doing things for themselves. And it's not egotistical, it's not selfish, but actually it's self-care, which is at the heart of us giving out. You can't really give out someone. You can't really truly love someone unless you love yourself. And to do that is looking after yourself. And I ask my friends all the time, you you know, do you spend half an hour a day reading or doing something? And they don't. And so that is another thing which I found really helpful. Um, Yes, I spend half an hour a day reading, Every single day, I try and get into bed for um, half an hour before I'm going to go to sleep to read in bed. Um, obviously, if you've got children and, you know, a lot yeah, of Yeah, I was you... going to say, <laughs> most of the listeners to this show are mums, so they're probably sitting there thinking, yeah, no, I can't. This is impossible. <laughs> but so... having said that, as a mum, I think it is even more important to yeah, do... Yeah, it really is. Charlie, it really is. And I've, I've got a friend who's a mum who... Um, called um florence and she's an actress and she's got a um, very energetic eight-year-old and she gets up at five o'clock every morning to have the first hour yeah, just for herself exactly the same and exactly charlie and i think that is really important as mums obviously or if there's dads listening here as well i think it's really it's impossible because you've got screaming kids you've got to feed them and they are demanding attention like nothing on earth um they don't understand what it is to have time to yourself but i would just say that you know um maybe it could be also something that you love doing and you could bring a child into that going yeah. on a nature walk yeah could you spot five things that are red on your walk um could you do meditation with your child could you just spend um 10 minutes in the garden 
and you get your child to listen. Maybe that child can't do that. But I would say that the more busy you are, especially if you've got kids, which a lot of you have obviously listening to this, just try and get those 20 minutes, 30 minutes a day. Because um, you can become a better, I think we become better humans. Yeah, I totally agree. And actually, there's nothing worse, in my opinion, than being woken up by a child, because then you have to get up, wake up, open your eyes and spring into action straight away. Um, We're going to talk about books later, I know. But um, the 5am club, I read the 5am club and it changed my life. After I got to the end of that book and I just woke up at 5am every single day. And it's amazing what you can get done between the hours of 5am and 7. Charlie, it's amazing. So I'm an evening person. I'm a night owl. hate mornings. have to have about three cups of coffee before I wake up. And I was to get up at eight o'clock in the morning used to be really difficult for me. Um, but now, and I went to bed at midnight, one o'clock in the morning, but because I'm a big runner and I do Pilates and my physical health is quite important, my mental health, I felt was slipping a bit because of actually getting up later and later. So I now get up at five like you and I have that first hour. I'm always in try on a weekday. I call it a school night on a school night. I try and be in bed by nine, nine thirty, which is insane. A lot of my friends go, oh my gosh, it's so ridiculously early, but as long as the lights are out at 10. Yeah. Because I sleep so well, I still get eight hours. Is it 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4? Seven hours. I get seven hours every night. I think that's what they recommend, though, isn't it? Seven hours. I think seven and a half hours is your absolute optimum time for sleeping. So you don't need more than that. Actually, more than that can be detrimental. And I think also, um, I don't know if this is an old wives' tale or not, but I don't think it is. I think there's a lot of truth in it. They say that every hour before midnight is worth two afterwards. And sometimes, you know, if I hear a noise outside, and I wake up, I feel like I've slept for three and a half, four hours already. Yeah. I look at my watch and it's 20 minutes. Of being, I've literally been asleep for 20 minutes. Yeah, no, it's so true. So um, talk to me about being an entrepreneur. What is your favourite thing about being an entrepreneur, being your own boss? Um, tell me. Well, I, I don't think I was an entrepreneur before lockdown. I think I was just a photographer. I took photo shoots, um, did photo shoots. Um, did some editing and sent a couple of invoices out and I thought that was it gosh my, that seems so simple now it seems so quiet I used to work seven eight hours a day and it was absolutely brilliant doing my biggest passion which is photo- photography but because of lockdown because of cultivating wonder I put a little team together I've got five people now working for me oh, wow. which is really which is really exciting and uh, the course has totally uh, blown up it's been really exciting people from all over the world parents love it but being an entrepreneur is really exciting because it's building a team, building an idea, seeing the idea come to fruition. Something that's really passionate for me is, you know, something I'm really passionate about is the well-being of children. Seeing a child flourish is absolutely really important to me. And to see that, Charlie, in the team and how it's so important to everyone else. And um, I've got a couple of mums working for me. One's in Jersey, um, a brilliant photographer. Um, and she's uh, she's got a couple of kids herself and then Hetty in the Cotswolds in Chipping Norton and to see them come to grasp the vision that you've got and to see other people working with you on this team is really exciting and I love also having coffee meetings with people in the day which feels yeah. so decadent yeah. um, and you don't have hours normal hours are no longer you don't work nine to five I mean I work six thirty seven till probably seven eight every night but then you can take a day off for no reason, just take a Wednesday off. And it's so lovely, Charlie. And to meet amazing people like you, I've met Charlie through um, the course we're on and to meet these amazing other entrepreneurs is a real blessing. 
Yeah, it's one of my favorite things. I love connecting with entrepreneurs. And, and that's really why I set this podcast up because I could just have like chats with people and be like, well, why is your favorite thing? And like, oh my gosh, that's the same thing. And I do feel like entrepreneurs have a lot in common. Like, um, so I went to drama school and I often think that a lot of people who went to drama school have the fundamental of being an entrepreneur because actually being an actress, being a dancer, you are, you know, an entrepreneur really. And there's, it's particular character traits that I see in other entrepreneurs that I'm like, yes, he's got it or she's got it. And I can see it in children as well. And I think that's very entrepreneurial. So I'm exactly the same as you. I love, um, I love meeting mm. new connections and, and network yeah, net networking is like my crack cocaine. It's like my, <laughs> because I love it so much. I get high off meeting new people. My, one of my dreams, or oh, sorry, not my dreams, one of my uh, biggest, uh, people say to you would you, if you went to a party and there was a hundred strangers there would you love it or hate it i'd absolutely be in heaven yeah. meeting a hundred new people i love networking so much and actually yeah this is why i connect with you charlie because I, I it does not surprise me by the way you went to drama school i went to art college it does not surprise me you went to drama school because you have this vibrance this kind of joy to be this you bounce in your video your welcome video in your group is i'm like a little it's hilarious you go i'm so excited it's so brilliant <laughs> and i love it a lot charlie it's really good but um yeah i think i think you're right i think there has to be there's i think entrepreneurs generally you don't generally find a miserable entrepreneur or an entrepreneur who's a bit um grumpy or a bit anti-people to be an entrepreneur i think you have to be a people lover yeah. and you've got to be good with people you don't have to work the room because you can't get introverted entrepreneurs you don't always have to be extroverted but I do think you have to be excited by connection. Yeah. And I think connection is the other thing I love. I love building connections with people. I love finding an idea and sharing it. Like I'm going to invite, um, for the listeners, I'm going to invite Charlie into my group at some point soon. Um, I've got a Facebook group and I'm going to invite uh, Charlie in to speak in my group. And I love the fact that Charlie invited me onto this podcast because that's what is building like a jigsaw puzzle and other people can help you put that puzzle together. Absolutely. So let's talk about my three questions that I yes. ask every single person who um, comes onto this podcast. So the first one is, who inspires you? There's quite a lot of people inspire me, but if you want to, if you want to ask, there's two people I say, can I allow two people? You're allowed to. I'll let you. Okay. Okay. The first one is my mum, which is a bit of a cliche, but it's true. Um, my mum has given me the backbone, the moral backbone, the moral fibre of being a good person and being a kind person. Um, um, and I was very fortunate to grow up on the edge of the Peak District, not far from where you grew up, Charlie, in Sheffield. Because um, I am a northerner, even though I haven't got an accent. And my mum my was absolutely an incredible influence in my life and has been such a support for me and has a, yeah, a real um, gift with people. And I think my love of people my love of reading, my love of people, my love of travel has all come from my mother. So, yeah. And the other one is Brené Brown, who is my superhero. I don't know if you know Brené Brown, uh, Charlie, yeah. but Brené Brown is a, um, an anthropologist and a, a sociologist and a writer. Um, if you're wanting to Google her, Brené is spelled B-R-E-N-E and then Brown spelled the normal way. She is a fantastic writer and she connects vulnerability and courage to leadership. So she's a leader. She gets invited to big NGOs and big organizations like Barclays and um, Goldman Sachs to speak on leadership. But she connects being vulnerable. And one of the best examples of that for me is that President Obama, 
who the way he loved Michelle and the way he loved his children and the way he treated people was an example and a kind of expression of his own leadership. And I was thinking about that the other day in the current climate, that there's a, there's an, there's a really interesting video of um, Obama um, getting out the car and Michelle got out to the other door and he waited for Michelle and he allowed Michelle to go up the steps first and it was raining and he gave her the umbrella and he got wet. And it was so beautiful, that sense of servant-hearted leadership. I know the reason I mention that is because Brené talks all the time about being humble, about being vulnerable, about owning your, I can't, I won't say the, the swear word, but owning your S-H-I-T and just really, really um, being courageous about who you are. And the greatest leaders in, in my eyes are people like um, Nelson Mandela and people like President Obama who really were vulnerable. And yeah, so they're my two heroes. I love it. And um, so people can't see, but Jonathan is sitting next to a very big pile of books. He's my sort of a guy. Um, <laughs> tell us what books have you read that have changed your life? What would you recommend for our listeners? So I was on a, uh, I was on a course recently by Lucy Sheridan. Some of you might know her. She's an Instagram queen. She's absolutely amazing. She ran a course called Inevitable, which literally changed my life. And on that, there was a big reading list. And these books are incredible. I'm just going to read a few of them out to you. Um, Everything is um, Figure Outable by Maria Forleo. An absolutely extraordinary book. Um, anyone who wants to face their fears, fulfill their dreams and find a better way forwards. I recommend The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, an incredible book. Conquering your hidden fear and taking life to the next level. Um, New York Times bestseller about a program for solving your barrier to happiness and fulfillment and uh, providing a clear path for achieving our true potential. Really brilliant book. Possibly the best book and the most profound book I've read in the last year. Um, and I can't say how good this book is. It's so unbelievably brilliant. It's called The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. If you buy one book, um, if you buy one book from this list, I recommend this one. Two more to re- recommend. Uh, Company of One by Paul Jarvis. What if the creator of a richer and more fulfilling career is not to think bigger, but smaller? Thinking small and running a small company. And I really recommend that book as well. Brilliant book. And the last one is called Indestructible by my friend Alison Fallon, who's in the stage. Really recommend that book as well. So there are a few books. Fabulous. And finally, what would be your one piece of advice for a fellow entrepreneur? Um, Sorry, I'm going to break the habit again and give you two pieces of advice. One is be kind always. Be kind. Everyone is fighting a battle. So when you speak to someone, um, and some people are really, really frustrating, and you probably want to punch them. You know, we all, we all talk to someone on the phone and go, oh my gosh, will they just seriously shut up? Um, I find trying to be kind to people is really helpful. The other piece of advice I would say is network as much as you can. Get invited into Facebook groups, get invited into your local networking groups. Um, you've all got an idea. All of you listening to this podcast has got one brilliant idea. Some of you might be running with it, like Charlie. Others of you are probably not yet, but you will, be, you will benefit. And I think networking groups and networking can often be a kind of entrepreneurial midwife. They can birth things in you that you can't get out yourself. So I'd recommend you network as much as possible, 
make contacts and just get your word out, get the word out. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Please tell our listeners, where can they find you? Where can they follow your journey? If you want to, if you are a mum and you're a parent and you want to um, connect with your child with creativity, you can find me on uh, Facebook. The cult- if you go into Facebook groups, just type in Cultivating Wonder, all one word, 2020. Cultivating Wonder 2020, all one word. You can find me there. And you can also find me on my photography website, which is um, jonathanself.co.uk. And I'm running the next Cultivating Wonder photography course for children aged 5 to 9 and 10 to 16. And if you want to book onto that, you can go on to cultivatingwonder.co, not .co.uk, .co, because .co is a new, the, trendy, the trendy new website that all the kids are doing. There you go. Check out you, Jonathan, and your trendy ways. Um, I will post all of those links in the show notes so that people can see them. Thank you so much for listening. And if you've enjoyed today's show, then please subscribe and leave me a review. And I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.